Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the How Long to Beat podcast. I'm Rick, and this is the 33rd hour I've been awake because the Super Bowl was last night, and it is not kind to UK audiences. But it was a good game, so I will run on fumes and then collapse as soon as we hit stop on the recording. With me, as always, are Alex and Paula, both looking much perkier than I am. Um, we're going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Go ball! Yeah. Um, so we're <laughs> as always we're going to talk about the games we've beaten, retired and have been playing and there's lots of playing this week. There is loads to go through. Uh we're going to get onto the topic of the week which is no longer new games but localized games. Um we're going to take a question from the audience and we're going to play the hit sensation game show. Say it with me. How, How long, long to beat, to beat the, game. the game? Right, let's start with you in terms of what you've beaten Paula because there's some Big completions for you this week. Oh yeah, oh, sadly I wasn't able to finish Fire Emblem in time for the recording. But the I did finish all 12 fruits on both Hakuoki Kyoto Wings and Hakuoki Edo Blossoms. And oh my god, I don't know why I did that to myself. Like the gifts are are great, the story is great, but if you ever think of 100% in it, don't. Man, is that but just because of all the extra effort, or is that like it's just not worth what you get out of it? At least when you're like uh, playing like road after road after road, it gets a little bit tiresome when there's like too much overlap. Right. It happened especially like with two specific character routes because they kind of like went to the same places up until a specific point where the actual split happened. Uh, so that was that. Uh, that was like. Uh, uh, okay, I think I'm doing this. Uh, okay, then we're going here. Oh, yeah, we're going here. And then it was like, okay, new stuff. Um, can, I, can I ask a quick question? Because, again, visual novel newbie right here. But when you talk about these routes, like, is it like you actually pick characters to play as? Or is this a case of, like, like choices split the narrative off into different directions? Like, I'm just I'm just curious. Okay, in visual novels, when you talk about routes, is usually you are you play, like, as the same character or as, as the protagonist. Uh, through the whole game, there are like a couple of exceptions, but you usually play like uh, like the the protagonist for uh, the entirety of the game. And in otome games, uh, which are like visual, usually visual novels, mm-hmm. but I think there are like uh, a couple of other games that aren't visual novels that fit into the category. That uh, where the protagonist is female, there's like uh, a bunch of love interests, and you follow a narrative route that leads you to a sort of happy ending with the love interest very much gotcha so it's like dating sim light in a way right like it's like not as it isn't technically a dating simulator because it it doesn't have the i guess the simulation aspect like let's say i'm trying to think i think is it more like you've got specific character ends yeah you have a specific character ends and usually you have like various ends with each, with each character usually like i don't know a normal and best ending or a bad ending i uh, like what catherine does this is the only frame of reference i have <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah it's kind of like catherine that in that sense <laughs> or for so, me it's sort of like castlevania where you can beat the game early but that's a bad ending but if you spend more time you can get a good ending. <laughs> <laughs> are we nailing this i feel like we're nailing this <laughs> it's kind of like well, you're going to eventually play Stensky 
uh, one yes. So yeah, in Saints Gate, you kind of have, have like character oriented like endings that are like earlier than the actual ending. Mm. It, it branches out. Uh, the, the narrative like branches out into uh-huh. little in different sides of the story, pretty much. Gotcha. So what you're saying is anytime I'm presented with a choice, I should probably save my game, huh? <laughs> yep, especially in Stays Gate because that has a special system to choose your routes. Okay. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> Man, yeah, I've, I've um, had bits of that spoiled. I feel like that's going to be a bit of a baptism of fire for you in terms of like. See, I I've, I've watched the entire Steinsgate anime, but I forget it almost entirely. <laughs> like I just. Oh my god. <laughs> so I'm excited to get back into it. Uh, sorry, th- thanks for explaining that. I, that was something I was curious about, just because I'm like, I hear you talk about the routes, and I'm like, I think I understand, but I'm not sure I fully do. And that helps. That helps quite a bit, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I tend to talk about it as if everyone plays visual novels, but then I remember I, eh, not everyone plays visual novels, and especially Thomas, they are like super niche. <laughs> yeah, but that's what's cool. Um, I, mean, I wouldn't know about these otherwise. So yeah, I finished Hakuoki, and I said previously that Hakuoki uh, is a game that's like uh, centered around the Bushing War, like in that kind of era. And uh, you play as the main character called. Chisuru Yukimura, or Yukimura Chisuru, actually. And uh, she's uh, looking for her father, because she lives, like, in Edo. And her father, like, suddenly goes missing. And she goes to Kyoto, uh, which is, like, where he was living before he went missing. And she sees something that she's not supposed to see. Um, pretty much ends up in kind of a... A house arrest at the Jinsengumi headquarters. Did I ever say that this is like the worst visual novel you can play during quarantine? <laughs> ah! uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's no fun. <laughs> we heard you like house arrest, so we put some house arrest in your house arrest, so you can house arrest while you house arrest. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh dear. So yeah, the thing with uh, Hakuoki, it it has like a little like fantasy element that is like. I want to say essential in the plot uh, in the sense that it is very much like the reason why uh, the main character is allowed to stay with the Chinsengumi. After like debating with myself and consulting with with the people like in my sleep, I decided to share like what the fantasy element is because you know people die in war. If you're like in a group that is involved in war, more so. So uh, since uh, Hakuoki still like falls the events of the Bushing War like kind of faithfully. They ended up justifying how some characters are able like to stay alive, but they are like publicly declared dead with this fantasy element. And it has to do with what I said the other day that uh, you have like demons, but you also have like fake demons that are called furies that pretty much are made like uh, making them drink a special potion called the Otimisu or the Water of Life. And pretty much they are considered dead because they're not supposed to be alive anymore. But they are like these supernatural beings in a way. Obviously the powers come with uh, some drawbacks, but that is for people who want to experience the plot to uh, unravel. So that's like how they managed to keep the plot going in the various routes, even if the historical figure the character is based off of, it's supposed to be dead at that time. Like it is 
Gotcha. Considered dead by, by the world, but you then have to continue the, the, the route like in other ways, like from the shadows. Um I see so, with okay. other elements. Right. So it's like if they're dead, they're not really dead, but they are dead, but not really. Like that kind of thing to let you They drank the plot device potion, they're fine. Yeah. I think but I it. you could say it is a plot device, and it is, but it is actually like a very well executed one. Oh, that's good. Which is nice. So, yeah, the the first no, the original six routes, uh, five of them are like we within the Chinsengumi, so they're like they tend to get like kind of repetitive. But the three following ones, the the ones introduced, like I can't remember the the name of the of the game they were introduced in are slightly more interesting. One of them seem a little bit tack on, that is the one that kind of branch off from one of the original characters out. But the other two are like great additions because uh, one of them is uh, the character that I'd say it was a snake and I hated him. And you see like that part of the story. And the other one is from like another character that is part of the Tinsengumi, but he's like, he isn't in the front lines. He's like the one collecting information and surveilling everything from the shadows. <laughs> and the other three routes, one that is from the last leader of the Tinsengumi, the other route is like from a, a character that kind of like knows the political ins and outs of what is happening. I am drawing a blank in the rest in the last round, but the three newest ones I think are the most are the ones that add most to the plot, add more insight of what it is going on like behind the scenes of the stuff like uh, because like uh, within the Tinsengumi they're like, oh why is this happening? And then you get your answer, why is this happening? Jeez, I can't even imagine the scripts to these freaking things. They must just be like these insane documents that just flow over into so much stuff. Like oh my god. I don't know how much of it's a sleep deprivation, but my head is hurting a little bit. Oh no! <laughs> I hope probably it's not from information overload. <laughs> it's too much. Well, <laughs> it really is. It really the, is. The um the last one of the original routes is like from an outsider's point of view, and the very last route that it is advise you pretty much like the last that is the route where you don't uh, really get close to anyone. You become pretty much like one more of the citizens of of uh, Edo and pretty much you get the news as as other people get the news and it is devastating because if you do it like last it is horrible because you know the some characters like survive in certain scenarios mm-hmm. you know what happened you you're just waiting for it to happen and it is it is devastating. So yeah, that was uh, Hakogi. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, last point on this game. Uh, I know, like in Otome, like romance is kind of like I want to say a priority, but it is like a very important part of the game. But Hakogi has a romance-free option, <laughs> so you can hmm. leave the character routes without actually like romancing the characters. So anyone who is like interested in kind of a, that period of Japan and also like sword fights and stuff like that, because they kind of like, even if like uh, everything is like in written format, but there are like these very cool um, CGs and very cool like effects they do where 
when they are fighting. And the, the story itself is like super interesting. They're like action scenes that are very well executed. So if any, anyone is like interested in uh, visual novel in that kind of setting, but they aren't sure if they want to play it because it is an otome, you can play it without the romance. Go nuts! <laughs> wow okay <sighs> honestly yeah d- just from your song i feel like these are kind of like a part-time job getting through these games but <laughs> 13 roots it, it, it is nuts it's a lot don't even get this started in, on the game over but and it's an unregulated love endings see i can't be wait don't talk about those yeah I was gonna say, oh, <laughs> no, I, no. I, do you have to trigger all of those for the hundred percent i 100 percent yeah Oh no! Right, okay. I'm I'm starting to piece together why that's not a not a fun thing to do. So wait, what, what is this other one you beat? Oh yeah, uh, this other one is called Cinderella Phenomenon Evermore. That's an amazing it's name. It's actually like it is a very long game. Uh, there's worse though. <laughs> there are worse. So this one is a little sequel to Cinderella Phenomenon, which. It is another Otome game where the protagonist is the princess of this kingdom where there's magic and there's like fairies and witches that have to do like white magic and black magic. They they can um they can fulfill wishes or they can cast curses. The thing is, the witches are kind of like not happy with the kingdom and they start like casting curses. This one that is called the Fairy tale curse where you are afflicted with a curse like that is kind of inspired by a certain fairy tale. The protagonist, who starts as such an unlikable character, so much like the entire kingdom, like kind of hates her, and she doesn't really get along with anyone. And this witch just waltz into her room disguised as a doll and says okay you are now under the cinderella curse so she went the the princess went from fancy dresses to rags and everyone forgot she was the princess and she pretty much had to start living like a commoner and know how her actions, her family's actions, was affecting the kingdom, which is very interesting. And all the love interests of the game are affected by a different curse. And each curse has to have a way to break it. The thing is, some witches are considered like good witches that want to actually like want you to learn a, an actual lesson from the curse. And other ones are just like, okay, uh, I gave you a condition that you're not gonna break. Can I just vindictive. Uh, I also like that you are one of four people who has logged this game on how long to be. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because in the real life phenomenon evermore, it's again a sequel to the original game. The original game is actually free to play. So oh, cool. if anyone I, it, it, is sorry, interesting, it is free to play on Steam. It is actually like very well made, very well written. The hmm. art, again, free to play. It is pretty good. The that might sequel- be a... That might be a you thing. It's showing up as eight pounds for me, which is uh, eight pounds more than I'm um, expecting. Okay, Evermore <laughs> is paid. Uh, you know oh, I see the original free. is free. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. And in your defense, in terms of four people logging it, the Evermore version only got released in December. So I'm yeah. not sure more will come. Yeah, but You're Cinderella Phenomenon has 39. So I don't know how many more will come. <laughs> Especially, like, the Steam version was released, like, in mid-January. Because, like, the developers uh, were like, uh, we're um, having a little bit of trouble here on Steam, so 
Mm. We asked you to wait a little bit more. Initio, actually, they release it on December. Also, to be fair, like people who log it on how long doesn't mean how many people actually played it, obviously. But, you know, <laughs> just on a yeah. little website. It, still, it is one of the lesser known indie games, I think. Hmm. Even though the, the original is free, but since Otome is a pretty niche There also seems to be a lot. Of, even if it's like sort of niche here, it does seem like there's just a lot of games in it. And I imagine it's sort of tough to get noticed in that genre, huh? That is true. Though the Atomic community like works to get these little games uh, noticed. Hmm. Uh, the bigger releases, uh, such as Hakuoki or Could Realize or Clark uh, Smiley's or Pio Fiore. Uh, now on Switch, kind of can get a little bit overwhelming uh, for people that don't play as much. There's a lot of Atomic players that prioritize, for example, the the voiced games over the smaller indie games. But I think Cinderella Phenomenon is like a solid option to for anyone who wants to try to get into the Atomic genre. You can see yeah. it's free and it is great. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Neverbird is pretty much like what happens, uh, this is actually like the tagline of the game, that is what happens after Happily Ever After. And it was like uh, a pretty sweet, pretty calm most of the time, because there always has to be that route. Just see what happened with the kingdom, uh, with the people, and with the princess and the love interest, like after the, after the events of the first game. So yeah, that, it was pretty fun. So you had quite the well, visual novel week. <laughs> yeah, I wish That's I could. Every week, isn't it? <laughs> I wish I could have played. I, I, I wish I could have finished Fire Emblem to have like a non-visual novel game to talk about this week. But hey, you'll have plenty well, more to talk about. That's your job, guys. Yeah, <laughs> there's lots of weeks to come. That's a great transition, BT Dubs. I could talk a little bit about what I was playing last week. So I beat the medium. Uh, that launched on Game Pass at the end of January, was it? Oh boy. Or beginning of, I don't know. It launched at some point. Uh, so I started playing it. It's by Bloober <laughs> Team. So uh, I know, I know Rick, you'd mentioned before, it's, it's by the team who made Layers of Fear and like um, Blair Witch and stuff. And, and I know Layers I of Fear. I am yet to like a Bloober Team release that I've played. I've played, yeah. um, I've played Layers of Fear. I thought that was, I think I've retired that one. Observer's one of theirs as well, isn't it? I think so. The thing and is, I, I complete I completed it, but I was deeply disappointed by it. Yeah, this one is, um, I would say, like much different from their other games. Um, mm -hmm. Because now, to be fair, I haven't played their other games, so this is more just from what I've like seen and read. But this is in the third person, um, and it actually plays like Silent Hill quite a bit. It's it's forced perspective, so like you're you're you know, it's got the fixed camera. Uh, not forced perspective. That's a different thing. It's the fixed camera. Fixed so, perspective. Yeah. Same composure as well, right? It's um, what's the face? Maybe. Correct probably. me in the comments down below if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty <laughs> certain it's the Sun Hill composer because that was part of the hype around the release. Oh, maybe because the music was awesome. Um, oh, there you and, go. And the game itself, like, you know, it was neat because, like, I really enjoyed it. Like, it was genuinely fun and very well paced, and it's not very long. Like, it's maybe eight hours or so, and it felt like by the time I reached the end, I was like, Nice. I will say it does a thing with its ending, and I'm not going to give any spoilers. But I was like, "Come on!" Um, where like, I was like, "You could have come on," but like it sort of sets itself up for a sequel, which I actually do hope they make because I'm like, it, it felt a little bit like this was um, exploration of a new concept, 
and it feels like there's a lot more to explore there. Um, because for those who don't know, this game is essentially you play as this medium, and it's in Poland, which is really neat. It's in, it's in 90s Poland. Um, so like right basically after the Berlin Wall comes down and like the Iron Curtain has fallen away. And so you're essentially dealing with the kind of fallout of some of the horrors that happened um, happened there, right? Um, and so you're visiting this um, hotel where there was some sort of massacre that occurred. Um, and in it, you can... A maximum massacre. A what? <laughs> it came through as massacre. I was just riffing. Oh, I'm so... very tired. Carry on, it's fine. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, we're laughing at massacres now? What's going on? <laughs> I'm I'm laughing at the lapses in my cognitive ability in this, the 34th hour of my wake. I knew this was going to be a fun podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, well, so basically, like, you can convene, uh, convene between two worlds, right? The real world and the spirit world. And you kind of come to learn that it's like she has this unique ability. And it presents itself very fascinatingly at times where the, the entire screen will split into two realms and you're you're moving both the characters, you know, in the same way, but you're seeing both of the worlds at the same time. And so there are these puzzles that you can do where it's like some things will only be in the spirit world um, while others are in the real world. And unlike games, like for instance, you know, A Link to the Past, right? Where you enter into the dark world and it's the same as the real world and you get to explore it. It's like in this one, you are simultaneously exploring both of the worlds, um, which is really cool. And there are times where you will just go into the spirit world and go into the real world. It's not like you're doing split screen the entire game. Cause even the game realizes it's like, this is cognitively a lot to handle. And it really is like when you, when it first happens, you're like, uh, uh, and your eyes are like, Fuck, like trying to like figure out how to look at both of these images at the same time. Um, so they really pace it very well. Like I feel like right when you're hitting the point where you're like, Oh God, I don't want to look at the, it's like, it anticipates that moment and it's like, and we're done there. We're done. And you're like, oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> and you're just like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So at some point I, I thought that it was like, you press a button and you like can switch between looking at one world to another, but you can see both at the same time. Yes. You see both at the same <laughs> time. In fact, multiple cutscenes are both of the worlds. So for instance, she's interacting with a spirit world person, but you're seeing her in the real world talking to nobody. Um, whereas you're also seeing at the same time, the spirit world and you're seeing the creature that she's speaking with. And so it's occurring at the same time. And some of the puzzles, it'll split the screen and it splits the screen in creative ways. Um, so like, it won't always be a perfect split down the middle, but sometimes it is just that there's a split down the middle and you're running together and you're seeing you in the real world and you in the spirit world at the same time. And so you're looking at it, um, in that way, other times you're going to see like almost the entire screen is the spirit world and just a sliver at the top is the real world. And you're seeing like your, your eyes or face, um, in the real world, like things like that. Um, it's really cool. That's why it's only a next gen game because they were like, we can't do this on the other ones the way we want to do it. They're like, we just can't render this exact same game world at the same time because really that's what it is. It's, 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 mm -hmm. yeah, it's two game worlds being created. It, it, technically it's really cool. Like you're like, Oh, and then it also has an interesting story set in a new culture that like, I just don't know a lot about, right? Like I, I'm not super up on Polish culture. I don't know a whole bunch. I know enough, but not, tons right and so yeah I, I really recommend it i really do especially if you have game pass it's like it's a no-brainer just like give this game a play you know like go to town I, I don't know it's not a i don't think it's like a full price release like bloober team doesn't really do that they don't have like that like 79.99 or whatever price range it's more in like the 60 something in canada i think um 
I, I would maybe wait for a sale if you're going to buy it because it is kind of short. Um, but this seems like this is the game they've been wanting to make for a long time. You know what I mean? Like it's like like all their other games, I think, feel like this might have been kind of preparation for like, this is what we want to do. And you're like, cool. All right. Good work. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's the medium. Fun times. Before you move on, I just want to fact check myself. So it is um, Akira Yamaoka. Uh, the legendary Japanese composer, in collaboration with, and prepare for me to butcher this, uh, Arkadius Rykowski, um, ah. who is supposedly, um, who has worked on their other games, so I presume that's their in-house uh, composer. That but makes yeah. sense. Yeah, the music was really good. Like, it, there was just times where you're like, oh yeah, and fuck, they have this creature called the Maw in it that looks like like a Pan's Labyrinth or like, you know, Guillermo del Toro creature. And it's, mm. it's voiced by, you know, the one and only voice actor, Troy Baker. Um, but he's actually, really yeah. good. Like the, it's a creature that could have been so stupid. You know what I mean? Like the lines themselves, you can easily imagine them being said in just the dumbest way and not working. But like, he made it work. There's moments where you're just like, I don't like, I don't, I don't like that at all. I'm like, stop, you know? So it's, it's very good. And it's in that vein of like, it's the creature you can't kill. Right. And you have to escape it every time. Um, okay. Yeah. There's no combat in this game. Really? Like that's there's... a super special. Though. That's like yeah. on a tangent. That's one of the things I hate about their games. The combat's not really the combat. It's like a really poorly conceived puzzle mechanic. And so it, it, it fails at what it sets out to do, which is build tension because there is no tension. It's just a case of, all right, what, what have I got to do to get past this schmuck this time? Yeah, um, it, it's one of the things I hated the most about the Observer. There's a bit, having two-thirds of the game had not to deal with anything like that, they throw in these random enemies that don't really fit thematically or anything. Um, and it, it, the times that they were there, it was just a frustration rather than feeling like it fit or it made any sense or it added to the game in any way. That's my tangent. I'm really keen to hear on hear your thoughts rather on the 10 milligram games, sure. which I played a few months Before ago. Before I jump into that, I do want to say, I think this game might mitigate some of what you're talking about because there is only ever a enemy and that enemy doesn't appear that often. Um, and he, the way you escape him is actually mechanically very interesting because he only exists okay. in the spirit world. So you have to be tapping into that to be able to see where he is, right? So it's like... Sometimes you're in the real world and he's still there and you're like, where the fuck is he? I can't see him right now because I can't tap into the spirit. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. But I, I totally know what you mean. I hate that shit usually too. But yes, 10 minute games. I've been playing those games uh, and they're a fun time. Um, it's so funny. Mm. I, 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 we talked about this on Discord. Like I had the opposite reaction to you. Like you loved the yeah. smiley face one the most. And honestly, I think it's a really hilarious, kind of cute I, like idea. It's like you're the smiley face and it turns into all these classic games. It just turns out I suck at some of those. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a picnic problem. Problem in chair, not in computer. Yes, exactly. It's like, it's not the game's fault. It's just like, uh, although I will say the pinball one felt really fucking dumb. I was like, oh my God, this isn't actually pinball. I'm just shooting it up until I get to the top of this freaking thing. And I was like, that one drove me crazy. The rest of them were fine and fun. That's um, what it does though. It's your expectations. That's what's great about smiley face. I guess, but I don't know. I've seen games that do the pinball thing. We have to get it up and up, and I'm like, I, it didn't subvert them that much for me. But that being said, if ten minutes, I'm not, I'm not going to complain that much. It's good, good times. Um, and then I also really loved Always Down, which I know you didn't like, but it's like one. Where one of my least favorite of the collection. Yeah, <laughs> I just love platformers like that. It's a little platformer where you're trying to get down, um, and there's a couple different ways to do it. Like you can go different routes on it. Uh, 
and it's very jumpy. Like you just, it like emphasizes jumping, um, which I enjoyed. I, I, I'm the kind of guy I'm going to play a platformer. I love to just jump, 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 jump instead of running. Cause eventually you can't really run that well. So you just jump, jump, jump. And I was like, yay. <laughs> uh, and then cover me in leaves was really cool. Uh, visual novel, um, really short, short novel about like it being in a small town. Um, and the kind of the weight of that. I just thought it was really good. I was, it was cool. I was like, man, this is like, has a really like, yeah, it's a, it's a, a visual short story. I guess that's what you call it. Instead. Yeah. It's basically like a twine game. And that's another funny one. Cause you messaged, you know, like, I don't think you would have liked this one. I was like, actually I had a great time with it. I really vibed with it. And you subverted my <laughs> expectations. <laughs> yeah. That was nice. Uh, but then I agreed with you wholeheartedly on slasher interrupted. Um, mm-hmm. That's that one. Yeah. Where it's like, they're telling a story. It, it, it actually is conceptually i'm like this is cool but this should actually be a part of a larger game i was like the characters are neat but i was like what was the point of this like i had a couple choices to make in this game and in the end it tells me like (laughs) shouldn't have tried to please everyone even though that's not what i did i was like but i didn't i chose almost all the same answers for one person (laughs) it's like (laughs) it's the one game that suffers from the length it's the one game yeah it really suffers from it um and then i played stroke which I thought was great. Actually, I think this one suffers from the length a little bit in that the writing at the beginning, it's so good. Like you're really feeling the tension, but then when it wraps up, it turns a little bit into like a a Sunday or Saturday morning cartoon a little bit where it's like, and here's exactly how we're feeling. And we're going to describe it perfectly with eloquent language after a stroke has occurred. And you're like, okay, well, I don't, oh, all right. This is an excellent game and it's art, but some of the writing was just like really on the nose. Like could have used a couple more passes to just be a little more subtle. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it worked for me. I didn't, I didn't feel that, but that's probably just the mileage may vary sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, what was the other one? Oh yeah. You're such a soft and round kitten can burn in hell. And I, I like that. that one. You hated it. Yeah. <laughs> you're not the only one. I'm, I'm pretty certain friend of the podcast. Friends of the podcast, Avatar's New Vesh hated that one as well. I vibed with it. I quite liked it. It's just, it has like, every time you enter a new room, it's like, to another room. And like, it's saying this, and it's like, bah, 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 and it's just like, it's, it's an assault on the senses. And a different like, tune. Oh, I loved it. It was sickly sweet. It was amazing. But see, I actually think without that, and maybe if it was just a little less fucking insane in terms of the sound design i would have dug it like i actually thought the thing was funny and cute but the sound design was obnoxious i just couldn't handle it um yeah so anyway those are the ones there's still four more that i technically have to beat like i didn't play sealed estate and i'm gonna wait to play locked in because i was like oh i should play with my partner that sounds like fun um locked in's great you'll have a blast i'm certain nice yeah yeah so i'm gonna do that and then i still have snack and handmade death labyrinth issue zero which is the one that seems to me is longer than 10 minutes so i'm gonna wait <laughs> yeah it's um i mean you could probably do it in 10 i think it took me about 35 something like that like a oh, quarter wow. of my time with the collection was that one game oh wow okay um but yeah, you've, you've not got any stinkers left, in my opinion. Nice, nice. Um, so anyway, yeah, those are that. I, I highly recommend it. I mean, there's basically four of us, so it was kind of fun. I, I got to, like, you know, influence the rating itself on each one, which is fun. <laughs> I like, gave a rating, and I watched it go up or down. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> um, I have the power. Yeah. What about you, Rick? What did you bite? I've got one completion this week, um, and it's one I gushed about a little bit because I'd almost finished it when we spoke about it last time, and that's... Uh, Ratchet and Clank Future Tools of Destruction. Uh, I've mellowed on it a little bit since I finished it. I still think it's great. 
it's probably the weakest of the main series Ratchet and Clank games I've played. But that's like being the worst thing on a on a Michelin star restaurant's menu. Like okay. you're still pretty great. You can tell I'm struggling because that's not a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good game. It it feels a little bit pared back. Um, so it does everything, just not quite as much. Um, the story was a bit pish, and that's something where the tone has always been um, a strength of the Ratchet and Clank games. There certainly were still moments of levity, moments where it tickled me. I think it's one where I, I wouldn't recommend it over the other games. I'd say if it's a series you're interested in, you should absolutely start with the original trilogy because those are stone-cold classics. If you liked those, I think you'll like Tools of Destruction. Yeah, it, it, it's great, but it's not a great entry point, which is weird because I think that's probably what they wanted it to be. And, and thinking back, the way that it sort of railroads the introductory couple of hours are probably intended to make it an easy transition as well. But I I personally think even even if you had to go and play the PS2 original rather than the, the HD collections on PS3 or PS Vita, I think the original series is still a better entry point. Even 2016, which I thought was pretty bloody soulless and horrible, is probably still a better entry point. And now I'm coming across really negative, but I, I had a good time with it. It's a good game. Uh, all the weapons are great. The worlds are, are set out well as they were before. It does some of the mini game sort of side diversion stuff, which is always hit or miss, but welcome variety. That's a reality, so, though, right? Good games are way harder to talk about than great games, right? <laughs> Bad games, they're just yeah. kind of like, okay. <laughs> you, you definitely end up focusing on the things that made it fall short rather than the things that got it to where it stops. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the struggle. The one thing I think for anyone who's never played a Ratchet and Clank game before is it doesn't really play like any other first or third person shooter in the sense that um, you you run around like you're playing a 3D platformer. There's an auto lock on of sorts, but really you need to use the L2 strafe to be effective. Um, and that allows you to lock on and move around enemies. Um, I fell straight into the groove. Obviously, I've, I've played and loved earlier games in the series. I think if you were someone who was just coming in, that would be an adjustment. I think you can change the control set, plays a little bit more normally, so the strafe is uh, on the right stick and your camera moving slightly different. There are options, uh, but that's something to be mindful of. Um, but yeah, I had a blast with that one. That's the one completion I've got. Um, I suspect... I'm close to the end of the couple of ones I'm playing, but we'll come to those um, eventually. What I might do is just quickly roll into my retirement say, take us forward. Let's move right in there to what you've retired yeah. in, sir. And I've retired Sushi Striker, The Way of Sushido, which I think I talked about the other week. And it, it's exactly what I thought it would be. It, the, the RPG fluff built around the puzzles just got a bit dull for me. And... I might come back to it at some point. I've I've put it on the to-be-continued pile rather than the retired pile, but I don't think I'll be coming back to it anytime soon. It's the the core cable is good, but it's not enough to carry the experience. And I think similar to what what you and I said, Alex, with a couple of games at this point, I felt like I'd had my fill of it. The, certainly, the the sushi loving anime wasn't enough for me to be desperate to find out where <laughs> that story goes. Like it, it's not war and peace. It's not any kind of gripping narrative. Um, it's fun enough for what it is, but it, it 
it certainly isn't a, a driving force in the way that it was maybe supposed to be. Um, but that that's all I've retired. Um, Paola, you haven't retired, have you? Because you are an efficient gamer. You know exactly <laughs> I'll, I'll what you want. <laughs> yeah, actually, honestly, the game I retired is like, sounds honestly pretty similar to what you were saying. Like, I retired Cyber Shadow, uh, which also dropped out of mm. Game Pass recently. Um, so I was like, why not try it? This isn't a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. Like, it's not. It's, it's uh, published by... Um, the Shovel Knight guys, what is it, Land... Uh, Yacht Club Games. Yacht Club Games, yeah. Not developed by them, published. Developed by one person, actually, which is pretty impressive. Um, and it's essentially like a Ninja Gaiden game, is what the inspiration is from, but not as hard. Um, it's not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not nearly as hard as those NES Ninja Gaiden games uh, were. Um, so it's very much, you know, side-scroller, um, ninja action, you know, slicing it up and whatnot. Um, you can guess from the cyber that it's kind of got this, like, um, futuristic um, tinge to it. And so, like, for me, why I kind of stopped is I hit this boss, and it's this, like, water dragon boss. And it's not that the boss is that hard. It's just I knew that to beat it, was just going to be kind of tedious. You know what I mean? Like I was like, all right, I have to go jump here and do jump there and smack, smack, smack. I got to hit these stupid things. I got to do that. You know what I mean? Like it was like, there was no real reason to do it. Like I got to the point where I was like, yeah, but why beat it? Like, I'm just going to be playing the same thing over and over. It's level based. Um, And also I have to, I have to, the music in this game is great, but it's super repetitive. And the fact that when you die, you know, it's pretty much instantaneous brought back to the last checkpoint. Um, but the sound, the song kicks back in again when you die. So From the start. From the start, yeah. So, like, even my partner was like, like, she's just like, she, like, whenever it started up, she's like, here it is again. Like, you know what I mean? Because it was just like, fuck, mm-hmm. God, it's going to play again. And you feel like you're in your own little hell because you're just like, I've died and here I go. And like, even if the game's not crazy hard, you're going to die a lot in it. Like that's kind of how these games are designed to be played, right? You go, you find out what's happening, you get killed because you overextend yourself a little bit and you're like, all right, I know what I have to do now in that segment. I'm going to go be smarter about it. Um, So that to me is just such a huge oversight and feels like something that should have been picked up in testing the game because like, I don't know, man, it, nothing turns me off more than just like this repetitive loud 8-bit music just screeching at you and you die you're like i wonder if that's a woods for the trees thing though i imagine if you're if you're qaing the same game particularly if you're the developer if it's a one-man project yes. and you're the one doing it you probably can't see that you'd need an outside eye to play it to be and fair, whether they had that or yeah i assume yacht club games helped with some of that i would imagine if they're publishing it but maybe they didn't maybe he literally did qa it himself entirely i didn't get to the credits so i don't know <laughs> um but anyway i i think a lot of people on the forums played it and really loved it um and i think if you enjoy that sort of 2d sprite based um sort of ninja action games i think you'll really will like this game a lot those aren't my kind of games you know i'm just they've never been my 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 niche so i was just like bye-bye maybe one day i'll play it again and i have no hard feelings it was free for me so (laughs) woohoo Speaking um, of playing things one day, Paolo, do you want to tell us what you've been playing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, from the games you've retired to one that I almost retired this morning is Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light. Ooh. But, oh my god, that's 
stupid, stupid level was horrible. So chapter 22. It was 22? I think it was 22, yeah. Did you know you can technically self-lock yourself uh, of completing the game? What? So, yeah, like, I'm actually pretty happy that I've been playing this uh, with a guide because there's these two spheres that you need to craft uh, a special sphere that is, like, one of the only two ways to beat the boss of chapter 23. Mm-hmm. And you have to craft chapter 22. The thing is, I kind of like started the, the chapter while being sleepy, so I didn't actually get the, I didn't actually catch the line of dialogue that said like, bring me the spears so I can craft this thing. So first of all, it was horrible because you have to go to this little village in the top of the map. And this map throws units at you as if there's no tomorrow and it is horrible but that aside on my first run because it actually took me like three hours on turbo mode to beat this chapter because first of all as i previously stated on another chapter or another episode of the podcast the thieves on the enemy team can actually destroy villages if they destroy the village you don't get the prize so the first attempt, I actually got to, I was pretty close to like killing that uh, thief and it was horrible uh, because it, it actually destroyed the village because that one unit uh, couldn't reach it in time and it was horrible. And then, and then I went to the village and I didn't have the orbs on hand be- and I have to go back to the tent to look for it on my convoy. And oh. then grab the spears, get to the village, do the thing, only to reach the, like almost the final part and get killed. Mm. So I just used the turn rewind because I wasn't doing the entire chapter again. Hell no! Over and over again, I have to rewind like part of the of the turn. That's some old school game because... bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, that was ultra bullshit. And you know what? There was like a unit that had like 40% of lights of hitting me, and I had like 99% of, of a chance to hit it, hitting it and killing it. I didn't hit it, it hit me back and it crits. Yeah. So let's me- leave it at that point. I I managed to finish the chapter. I took the chance to replenish all my um, items because, of course, with that long of a chapter, my weapons would break. <laughs> uh, now I'm on chapter 23 and this game is testing my, t- my patience. <laughs> I, I can safely say I'm never going to touch this game, ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm certainly scared off of it now. It's tempting me oh, no. uh, in the eShop, and I'm like, I think I'm good. I think I'm just going to stick with my fond memories of the newer Fire Emblem games. Mood. Uh, uh, the first one can be a little bit too frustrating at times, because like the, the, the difficulty is, is spikes out of nowhere for a very for a reason. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I've been surviving here. The other games I played uh, were could realize Kakuji no Kisaki, um, still like going through like the little scenarios first before tackling like the main road. Mm. And I play continuing back more. And I'm convinced this game is like the most enjoyable when you're playing with other people. Mm. 
Mm. Because like when you're playing alone, like it gets very repetitive. But when you're playing with other people, it kind of starts getting like more interest. Uh, not only that, playing with others is always uh, is always fun when you have the right group. True. Mm. I had uh, yesterday. And finally, the reasons of separation. This one I'm playing in Steam with the co-op internet feature. And mm. um, it is a really fun puzzle game where each person plays as one of the characters. The girl makes like spring, like her side of the screen be like spring. Yeah, she melts like the water. She makes like this little like geyser. Well, the boy like freezes items. And there are like a lot of uh, different kinds of platforming to be done. It, it is really fun and it's like actually the first game where not competing with my boyfriend to get like the collectibles and stuff because <laughs> uh, you actually have to cooperate if you want to complete the game. So yeah, like we played a couple of hours so far and we're loving the game. It is really, really fun. I think you can play like a lot, but I think co-op is, is the best experience. Nice. Uh, what yeah. have you two been playing? Yep. That's a very good question. Do you want to go first, Alex? Sure. Um, I'll update first just on like the couple uh, couple little ones that I'm still sort of popping through. I'm still playing Immortals a little bit. Haven't touched it much, to be honest. Um, I maybe already have my, had my fill of it, but I'll get back to it, I'm sure. Professor Layton, still going through that. Still doing my puzzles. Still enjoying it so far. Um, I'm ring fit and venturing it every day now. I've hit the 20 days in a row, which is nice. Not every day. I do like right. 20 days a week. Yeah. Um, it's fun. That game's... Yeah, it's, it's hard sometimes doing the mountain climbers, and I'm like, I don't like this. Um, <laughs> but it's it's very enjoyable, especially where it's just supplementing my like usual workout. It's kind of nice because I feel like um, I'm going through it slowly, you know. Um, like I'm only on the fifth mm-hmm. world, and there's like there's many worlds, so it's nice. Um, but I started playing Yakuza Zero, and I gotta say. Where the hell has this game been? I don't know why I avoided this game. I was just like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I like Yakuza. But I remember I played Sleeping Dogs and I loved Sleeping Dogs. And Sleeping Dogs is just like Yakuza Light. So I was like, why have I not tried this? And this game is batshit insane. But also an intense mafia story. But also there's a man in only his underwear gyrating in the corner. <laughs> But also, <laughs> you can sing karaoke. No, seriously, there's like one mission where you're just like in this bar and it's like, I need to look around for clues. And then you look in the corner and there's a dude just like humping the air in just underwear. And it's like, oh, he's enjoying himself. And you're like, this is amazing. Um, I, I don't know. This game is so nuts. Like the first chapter is interesting too because it's it was a lot of cutscenes and they really established the mood of the game. And it's basically a, a prequel to the whole series. There's like, seven including this one um that follow kiryu and majima um and so like those are the two playable characters in this one and i mean you know it's it's pretty it's, it's kind of basic like i don't know playing it is interesting because you basically see what open world philosophy is for like japanese games versus like western games right like i would kind of call this like the japanese grand theft auto really um there's a lot less like freedom in some ways in this game than in a game like Grand Theft Auto. But at the same time, it's very, that's what it is, right? Um, and I kind of mm-hmm. love it because in in one case, it's like, oh, you know, it's about these serious Yakuza and like, they're like all these dudes. 
But then, like, all the sub-stories are, like, them learning valuable lessons with, like, people, like, helping them learn that, like, you should let your daughter make her own choices in her life and don't be so controlling, father. Like, and it, like, goes with the sad music and, like, or, like, there's other side quests, like, missions where, like, it's just, it's nuts, right? Like, they're all, like, these, like, really sweet moments or then one where it's, like, now it's time for you to go dancing. Time for you to show how good of a dancer you are. And, like, that do, like a karaoke song that turns into a music video where like the main character is all like thoughtful and like looks depressed and you're like this game totally like makes fun of itself entirely and i'm like i got respect for that you know like um it's trying to have both both like both be this serious game about like criminals but also like this thing about how you should be nice to each other and it works somehow and i'm like why does this work um so anyway, can I dream? Well, yeah, it kind of it, it, it is giving me the vibes, the same vibes from this one manga that is about this Jakusa who retired and now is a house husband. Yes. yes, honest to God, yes, it's that, it's that. Yes. That's what this game is. Um, but like in one minute, you're like learning about a character who's been tortured for a year and had his eye cut out, and then the next minute he's like play, he's like in a disco club going like yaw, <laughs> like dancing and going nuts, and you're just like what is this game <laughs> um and then also of course the combat is it's a beat-em-up but it's like a crazy beat-em-up where you can like you know lift a guy and then like spin him around by his legs and hit him into everybody um like knocking them all out and or pick up a bicycle and just like smash the wheel over the guy's head you know what i mean like it's it's insane and so like every encounter in the game turns into some kind of like batshit fight which is very funny like it's very much like watching it's kind of like playing an anime or something or like, like Power Rangers or some shit where like he'll show up to a scenario and these guys are like, you know, picking on some girl and he's like helping out this like dude. Um, and the guy's just like, oh yeah, you going to do something about it? And of course the fight breaks out. I mean, that sort of makes sense actually. There's one where they're break dancing. <laughs> People are break dancing and that's how you learn <laughs> new fighting styles. So these two dudes are break dancing and like Majima is staring and he just goes, every time he learns a new fighting style, by the way, it like zooms in close on his face and he just goes, holy shit. <laughs> you're like, it's so good. <laughs> it's so, so good. You're like, Oh dear. He just learns how to break dance fight. So now his fighting is him break dancing and like kicking people in the face while he spins around on the ground. Like it's it's so dumb, but it's so much fun. Like it really I don't know. To me, it's like I think I like this more than playing a game like GTA because I'm just like, this is fun. And that's the main goal of this mm. game is to be fun. And yeah, to tell this kind of serious, intense story, which actually at times is gripping. Like there are moments in it where like you're following the story of like Kiryu as he's like trying to like figure out um, he like acts, like in the opening basically a dude that you have to go like extort dies and there's everything falls from there um, and it's like kind of intense like there's like cutscenes where you're like oh shit what's about to happen um, yeah so anyway I'm enjoying it one other thing I'll say too is they really really um, give everybody personality which I have to say is impressive like there are so many different NPC like faces and, and designs. It's kind of staggering. Like I think when you play, you know, like a GTA or, you know, open world games, it's like, Oh look, there's NPC face one, two, three, four, and five. And they're going to repeat everywhere, you know, but like <laughs> everyone you meet down to like low level thugs will come in and suddenly you're like, they all look different. Um, and yeah, there's an occasional like 
you know, some of the enemies you fight, you're going to have the repeated models for them. But like overall, you're going to meet a lot of variation. And I just think that's, it's pretty cool. Like it's not that common, you know, like usually it's just going to be a recycled face, but yeah, so far if I've had a, a sub story or any kind of main thing, it's just been complete variation, which has been pretty cool. Have either of hmm. you played it? I know Rick, you said you're like, this might be a little too far out for me. <laughs> it it seems a bit extra for me. And it's also a case of like so much to do so little time in the sense yeah. that you just have to like accept that there are certain things, franchises, whatever, that you just won't get around to. Monster Hunter is one of those. Um, Game of Thrones, I know it's a different medium, but that's yeah. one of those. And, and Yakuza falls firmly into that camp. It looks nuts and it does look like a lot of fun. Um I can also see myself bouncing off that and not quite clicking with it. And um, if I play one of them, I'm going to want to play all seven. That's exactly what happened to me, man. I was like, I thought I wasn't going to be into it. And then I started and I was like, and now I'm adding all of them to my backlog. Yeah, this this is the thing. I'll either bounce straight off it or that's like the next 24 months of my gaming life. So it it just has to stay over there for me. Uh, I'm glad that you're loving it and I know that loads of people do. I am going to. I'm going to try it now. Oh, please do. It's on Game Pass. They have have Yakuza 0, Kiwami, which is the first remake, Kiwami 2, which is the second one. 3, 4, and 5 are on there now. The only one that's not on there is 6, which is fine. And by the time probably will be able to get it on there exactly yeah. i'm like i'm certain six is coming eventually <laughs> i mean like, um i'm just yeah I'm, I'm probably gonna play a game in between each one that i play but like they're not that that long like some of them are longer like this one's pretty long like it's it's probably like a 30 hour game but some of the other ones are more in like the sub 20 um of course there's so much extra shit in it that you could play these games for hundreds of hours because they have so many mini games i was gonna say is that mainlining or is that just like with a, a main plus extra sort of 30 outlook? i think is main plus extra yeah um, okay. okay which is more like what i'm doing like i'm only on there's like 17 chapters i think i think i've beaten the fifth chapter and i've sunk like 12 hours into the game already but i've also oh, damn. but in the beginning i played a lot of the mini games and some of them don't really change that much throughout the game so once you've played them you're kind of like got it i'm just gonna play the game now you know yeah um, all right uh the last thing i'll talk about i started playing axiom verge just, just on a whim i had it downloaded mm-hmm. uh it's metroidvania it's cool so far interesting setting it is thoroughly not different from <laughs> it is the one-man project though and i think that's yes. worth bearing in mind plus it was at the start of all this like when all the metroidvania craze started to hit this was kind of like it you know um mm. so i'm enjoying it so far it, it's mostly like there's like a gun you have and so the variation comes from mostly from that being able to change uh interesting right. abilities that you can get from it but uh, i don't have a lot to say so far um all right rick Tell us, what are you doing? Yes. So um, I've played a little bit of Hades, played a little bit of Xeno Crisis, not really anything new um, to say about either of those. Literally a few hours before we started recording this, um, I realized that the release of Daddish 2, Hmm. um, the Daddishing, that's not its subtitle, I'm slowly losing my mind, had launched a couple of weeks ago. Um, So I downloaded that played a few levels to make sure that it's it's as good as the first one, which it is, um, and then bought the remove ads thing, which I rarely do. Um, it is just a continuation of the first one. The level design is loads better so far. So rather than just like generic outdoor environments, the first level um, is in the daddish's office. Hmm. So the, the kids come for a bring your dad to work day uh, that he didn't know about. They just uh, came on their own, ran through loads of traffic lights, spoke to loads of strangers on the way. Um 
and the the humor is on point i dare say better than the first game so far um so like at the end of the, the level i've just played so i'm like halfway through the first area um there's some like saw blades going around some of the platforms you know typical fare um and one of the conceits of the daddish games is that at the end of each level you reach your son one of your radish sons instead of a like a gold flag or anything and you have a little back and forth dialogue with them um and the the kid goes to the dad what why have you got saw blades at your work dad and he's like for shredding paper i don't know and he said seems kind of unsafe wow it's been three days since our last workplace accident <laughs> i forgot to tell you i actually played daddish i i tried it oh, did you? it was really on sale yeah i think i didn't put it on our um agendas because i didn't want to break your heart um <laughs> i just retired it I, it was fine i i just i don't know it's kind of like i get what you're saying like this is i think if you find this on sale or on your phone like you're playing it it's probably great you play on switch yeah i was on the switch um right. Right, right, right. control wise it was great i mean it was really it was on sale for like a lot like i didn't really care it was just like a drop not even a drop of a bucket you know what i mean like it was like a buck or two yeah. i was like whatever um and it, it's good i just got to a point where i was like all right now the platforming's getting like too specific and i'm like no thanks um that's not your vibe i quite like platformers anyway and yeah it probably is worth saying that it is a relatively straightforward platform and mechanically it's not going to blow your mind it's not going to do anything that you haven't seen before outside of the odd level where they're a little bit clever it's the vibe and the the aesthetic it's beautiful art it's another one-man project that i will say Um, for sure it is pretty funny too Oh, it's uproariously funny. That that really carries it. I love I love the humor uh, in these two games. So I'm sure I'll be gushing more about that in a future episode when I get to play a bit more of it. Loads of Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, I lost another 20 hours to that over the past week. Um, I reckon I'll finish it in the next week or two. I've had a blast with it. And and if you haven't, if you hate it, if you think CDPR are the worst people known to earth for something they've done this game specifically or just more generally, like that's valid. That's fine. I still love it. And uh, this I, just in, Rick likes cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> really, what gave it away? I can't see that changing between now and the ending. Which hmm. I've done loads of side content. I'm, I think, sort of between half and two thirds of the way through the story. But the story is lots shorter than their previous games. Like yeah. it's a, it's a bit like a muscle. So it's like there's a there's a, a nuclear to bit at the start. I think there's a nuclear to bit at the end, and then it like blooms out into two or three mm-hmm. sort of paths that reconverge towards the end, and then obviously you have your multiple endings. Um, and I'm I'm in that bulge part, but I don't think it'll take me long once I do sort of focus my attention on that to to wipe it out. Uh, one thing I will say before I move on to the other stuff: anyone else who's played the game and Romance Pan Am, that basilisk scene though, if you know, you know. <laughs> I don't. I've, uh, I've, you don't. You don't. Uh, what else maybe you? for the best. Uh, so I've played some more Azure Striker Gunvolt. Um, I'm definitely not playing it the right way, but I am enjoying it. Like the the combo system is built around not being hit. And not necessarily like a, a combo where you're constantly doing things to keep it going, but it collapses if you get hit. So it's a it's meant to be a bit more methodical, a bit more careful. I'm not playing it that way. I am still having fun with it. Um, the art's quite nice. The 3D is relatively well realized. Um, it's an interesting concept in in the sense of like tagging enemies and then engaging your uh, electronic powers to then do the damage beyond that. It's good fun. It's it's on PC as well as 3DS, and I think they released a collection on Switch as well as, as PS4. So lots of ways to play it if you're interested, in, and they're quite cheap games. For anyone who's not aware, and, and to be fair, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably finished, um, Steam are doing one of their game festivals at the moment with all the demos. Um, I've downloaded around about 50, 
Uh, I'm not going to talk about many of them because I think <laughs> we might be touching on those. Well, apart from time, we, we might be touching on those in a future segment inside baseball. Um, the one I do want to mention because it is fucking incredible. And if it sounds like your kind of thing, you should definitely wish list it uh, as a game called Shady Night. So it's like a Mirror's Edge style first person parkour game um, with really good combat and a DMC style scoring system. Uh, it's a one man project, really flexible, looks crazy good. I had about 15 minutes of just a pure adrenaline rush grin on my face playing the demo. And I am unbelievably hyped for the full release now. Um, it moment to moment gameplay is smooth, fluid, fantastic. Um, definitely check it out um, if you get the demo or when it comes out. And then um, just finally, quickly, I at the moment am trying to play through a load of old iOS games. So game preservation for, for these platforms is atrocious. Um, and I have... I think it's a fourth gen iPod touch that still plays most of the old games that I remember. Um, so I'm trying to play through those before the battery pops or, or something gives out on it or whatever else. So um, I've played a bit of the mobile version of mirror's edge that they released to coincide with that game. Amazing. Like arguably as good as the full game, if different. So it's like a, a 2d platformer with swipe controls, but it's built around that. And it's really fluid. There's a great sense of motion. It's criminal that if you don't already own it, you can't play it. But I do, and I can, and I am, and I'm having a great time again, reliving that experience. Uh, the other one, the second ever Unity game, not Unity, um, Unreal 3 game made for mobile after Infinity Blade, uh, is a game called Dark Meadow, if either of you remember that, from 2011. It's like, um, it's a first-person um Action adventure is not quite right. You're exploring this hospital you're stuck in. Um, it's node-based movement. It's a little bit roguelike in the sense that every time you die, you wake up in the same hospital bed and start again. And there's a mystery to solve. Uh, it's also interspersed with these fixed position combat sections, which play a little bit like a jankier version of Infinity Blade. So there's, there's a crossbow thing while the enemy approaches you, and then you've got the dodge, swipe, block shenanigans. Um, I probably have nostalgia for it from remembering it when it was a new thing, which is why I'm enjoying it. You can't access it if you don't already own it anyway. So the, my recommendations are neither here there. Moot point. It's interesting. I'm enjoying sort of trying to, to piece apart, pick apart, piece together the mystery of uh, Montclair Hospital, work out who this ghost is. I think, actually, if you're able to, to get an Android emulator of an old enough version running, because it released on our, on Android, you can probably play it that way. I'm not sure if it's worth the hoops jumping through yet. I'll maybe maybe come back on that one. Certainly not for you, Alex. You're pulling the face at me. <laughs> yeah, no, but, not me. Um, but hey, who knows? I it's do good fun. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, I game was all the rage when it came out. <laughs> that, that's true popcorn gaming. It, it was okay, but oh, yeah, cool. I for me personally, Dark Meadows a bit better. Um, but I think that's just because it's got a bit of a more interesting premise. But that is all the stuff I've been playing. So that brings us to our topic of the week, uh, which I have labeled our localization extravaganza. Um, because this is something that we sort of touched on a little bit in the last couple of weeks when we were talking about new games. Um, and we thought this could be fun to talk about. And, and I just wanted to, like, before we jump really into this full-fledged, so 
I think we often hear the term localization um, and translation thrown about in the same way, right? They say like translation, mm -hmm. localization, what's the difference? Um, yeah. Yeah. And the, the main and chief difference is that localization um, is another process, right? Translation is just directly taking the words from one language, putting it into the other language. But the problem is that when you do that, especially from Japanese, say, to English, uh, it reads so stupidly. Like, it makes no sense because Japanese leaves out a lot of information. That's part of that language system is that a lot is left unsaid and left interpretation. English, not how English works. English is like, spell it out. Tell me everything I need to know. Thank you very much. And so to localize something is really to take the, you know, the art or the material and to transform it in a way that it becomes culturally understandable within the localized like culture's language. Um, and I think we'll talk about some examples of that. Probably I've got a couple good ones, um, that do it really nicely. Um, and whatnot, but I'm going to let you jump here, Paula, because I see you have a sheet. And so I want to hear what you got to say. <laughs> so yeah, I have a couple of examples here. Um, one of which I think I'm going to leave to you because you were the one who mentioned it um, during the preparation of it. That was the cell tattoo. Oh yeah. I have a little bit to talk about that, but um, not a crazy amount. Actually, why don't I, I can jump in here. So that way you can jump in if you have extra information, but yeah, Zelda two is really interesting because Zelda two is sort of an example of less to do with like the, with, um, with the writing uh, and more so with like the actual game itself, where like when it became localized, they actually changed a lot of the game itself. Um, so like sprites were changed. Some of the mechanics even within the game were changed. Um, there was like in the Japanese version, water, uh, the water sprites on the overworld would move, but it also meant that lava sprites would move. And so you had to walk on that. And so it looked like you were walking on lava which doesn't oh, lava. make sense yeah and then in the in the north american version like the water is still and so um there's a really great video by i think it's a guy who does boundary break and he did he was going through some of the differences yeah and he talked about how like it's probably because when they stopped the lava from moving it's probably the same as the water in that game because <laughs> really it's the same sprite just with different colors you know um mm -hmm. yeah was there anything you want to add to that no, it was uh, precisely that one video that I watched a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, it was literally like just after you mentioned Zelda 2 that it was like, oh, there's this video. <laughs> it's pretty neat because like localization can be more than just, um, you know, the language, right? Like sometimes they decide, oh, we're bringing it to a new place. And like, Rick, you mentioned this before where occasionally when they created like an international release, it's like, well, why don't we fix up some of the problems that we had? Like if we're going to pay people to translate and localize it anyway, why not fix some of this stuff, make it as good as possible. Things that maybe people won't forgive as easily if they're not like invested in this, you know, game or in this, this, um, product. Yeah. I, I also think to be fair, that was more a product of, um, of that generation of consoles, not having the ability to, to day one patch. So things would get rushed to gold released and then the, the Japanese audience would effectively do the last little bit of bug testing. Uh, and it's like, Hey, thanks. Do you want to buy the fixed version again? Like I, <laughs> I, I think it's a product of that time more than anything else. I certainly um, outside of kingdom hearts, which just uh, 
even for Kingdom Hearts 3, I don't think they did it anymore. I don't think that's that's something that particularly happens all that much anymore. I'm not sure I fully agree, though, because when you think of Dragon Quest Eleven, that was released on, like, the 3DS and on, like, other things, and then when they bring it to the West, they're like, and here's the souped-up version, you know? Like, they're like, it's got everything. Yeah. We fixed all of it. Enjoy it. Because they, like, I think they know, like, in the West, they're like, you guys don't, this isn't a cultural icon like it is for us here. So they're like, please, bye. Oh, yeah, <laughs> There, there was a whole thing I remember reading news articles where like swathes of Japanese people took time off work for the release of Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah, so that that's a big thing. There's a lot of myths and stuff about like that, like they release it on a weekend because of that, but like it's not really like yeah. it's just because that's a smart day to release a video game. But um, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yes, yeah, some people will take off time, like they'll take off time for work to play these games because it's it's yeah. it's a big deal. Um, sorry, Paolo. There's also the inverse, though, where, like, just before you jump back in, Paolo, because this is the one thing where I actually have, like, anything to say on this <laughs> Um I, as someone who fucking loves D-makes and, like, handheld or paired-back versions of games, <coughs> sometimes we, we miss aspects of those in releases. And with DQ11, obviously, they've added the, um, the, the, the pixel art mm-hmm. version of that game back in with the S releases, which is pretty cool. Um, but an example where they haven't done that, and I've, I've had to sort of wait for a fan translation to get at it, is Nino Kuni. Interestingly, also our game of the month. I February. was actually going to talk about Nino Kuni today, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> there you go. So the, just briefly, the original version of Nino Kuni uh, was a DS title, and it came with like a hundred pages of book. Mm. And the idea was that you'd refer to the book for certain spells and puzzle solutions as you played this game. Um, it's just recently got a translation. Um, as well as the book being PDF'd and, and put into English. Um, so that's on my radar to play eventually. Um, I'm not sure with the full release, like with the, the Wrath of the right, White Witch version, whether they actually added the book in or they just edited those puzzles out or in, in different ways. God, it's but, been so but long if, since if, I played it, I don't remember, yeah. I mean, that that then is an interesting mechanical change if that is just removed or facilitated differently versus like having a book to reference. I played a little bit um, a couple of months back. I remember there being a book, but I, I don't know if it is the same book you're referring to. They clearly found Do a way to put it in, but yeah. Uh... Do you mean you played the PS3 version, Paolo, like the full fat uh, version? Um, currently, I was playing the Switch version. Right, that that's the same one then, yeah. So they, however, they incorporated it there. Sorry, no, I keep kicking, uh, uh, kicking this down the the kicking the can down the road a little bit for you here, Paolo. But I just since you brought up I, Nino Kuni anyway. Sorry, were you going to talk about <laughs> Nino Kuni or? Uh, no, I I haven't played enough to know. Oh, so okay. so I beat Nino Kuni a long time ago. Uh, I I loved it. I'm not participating in it's it's the game of the month this month. I'm not participating just because I've beaten it already. And listen, big RPGs like that, I don't got time in my life to replay those things. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. But that is an excellent example of localization. So what they've done with that game is they've changed a lot actually because like the main kingdom in that game was called. Uh, go uh, Goru Neru, which doesn't really like have a translation, but like th- that phrase is kind of most often seen as like go to sleep, um, and it's usually for kids, right? Go Neru, Goru Neru, like Neru is sleep. It's the verb sleep, right? Yeah, okay. and it's it's kind of like a childish sort of way of being like go to sleep, right? Because it's like Go Neru, and like the e is extended. Neru is usually 
Anyway, this is getting into Japanese into the language, but it's sort of like a kind of a cutesy way of saying that, right? If you if you were to Google goru neru, you would see like images of a mom and a baby, basically, right? Like that's kind of what you would find. Um, right. Okay. But in English, they call it ding dong dell, which is completely different. But it's a really fun name, right? Ding dong dell. It's just a. It's just fun, you know. <laughs> And it has nothing to do with the original, like, sort of pun on it. It's just this whole separate thing. Um, but I also just kind of love it. Like, it's just, that's just sort of fun, right? Um, and, like, there's his meow and his moo like, these different things, right? Like, there's all these sort of puns that are in it. But the best one is actually, and I remember watching a video, I think, on this, and maybe even just reading an article, year, like, years ago, on the fairies. So there's a segment in the game where you go into this forest and you meet these fairies. And the fairies do this stand-up routine that's really, really common in Japan. Like the two-person stand-up is a—it's a common form of stand-up comedy, um, like the little conversation comedy, uh, which isn't easily translatable to the Western world because we don't do it like that. Stand-up comedy is, is not between two people. This might be a reference that goes over your head. Is it similar to like a Punch and Judy show type thing? No, um, I know what you mean, but no, Punch and Judy is physical comedy. This is straight up two people at a microphone and they're talking with each other and they sort of put each other down. It's a quick conversation. Yeah. And it's super fast. Yeah. That's the Mm -hmm. comedy is that it's like fast as hell. And it's like between the two of them. Um, And in the game, all of the characters speak in like a standard Japanese accent. Um, which I guess would be kind of like the Tokyo accent, I suppose. But in that village, they speak in an Osakan accent, um, which... Yeah, so it's kind of like considered the sort of like like hillish billyish a little bit. Like it's sort of like the joke is that they're kind of like it's like oh the Osaka like it's like that kind of thing like within Japan. Oh, yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? It's regional. So if someone hears an Osaka dialect, they know what that is. They know that accent. They're like oh it's from this place. Um, what they did in the game when they brought it into English is that they turned those into Welsh speakers. And so, <laughs> right? And so they're talking in Welsh and they're doing these jokes, they're cracking jokes like, ah, how you doing that? And like, they're doing all this like sort of like, they turn into these sort of like fun kind of jokesters. Um, and obviously they're not saying at all what the Japanese uh, people are saying, right? Like the jokes are slightly similar, but quite different. And it's just fascinating, right? Because if you listen to it and you're listening to the Japanese audio and then you're reading the English, it's like, wait a minute, because uh, it's quite different. But that was the point, right? They're like, no, no one's going to understand the nuance of the Osakan dialect in England, right? Or in America. So they're like, why don't we change this to turn it into a way that it actually makes more sense story-wise for the English audience? Um so yeah, I don't know. That was my example. I just think it's a really cool way of localizing something um, and, and sort of changing it. Um, now, mm. finally, Paula. <laughs> I actually have a couple of examples here. Because mm. I was thinking, um, Tokyo Mirror Sessions, Chapter P, it mm-hmm. has the Western version is kind of infamous because mm. of some changes, like in the third dungeon of the game. Uh, not only that, um, they kept the Japanese voices because it was like a better portrait of the idol industry. Like they wanted to keep it like kind of faithful, but they mm-hmm. they butchered their they actually butchered their um their efforts there. Uh, with the following, um, well, it got like a fair bit of a uh, censorship, but it was weird because like they age up the characters a little bit right yeah which 
I still don't know Fucking why, Japan, because yeah. I, I mean, Atlas, how inconsistent can you be? There's a, a is it like a 15, 16 year old idol on Persona 4? And you yeah. don't have any trouble with it? And dancing all yeah. night? Yet, here That's you have to point. edit the characters. To be fair, it, it's a weird one, because I thinking back to persona never even once considered like that Rize's age might be a little bit inappropriate do you think there might be more scrutiny though that like dancing all night is like a sony and like it's it's not a nintendo platform game and i i always feel like nintendo is a little more like aware of these issues when it comes to bringing games over to the west but historically maybe and maybe when fe came out at the moment there's actually a, a lot of controversy going on with sony so it's like um the, the Sony check has become a meme where after all the Sera ratings in Japan, Sony then have their own like really poorly defined case by case criteria. Okay. Uh, and there's been a lot of recent examples. I mean, censorship could be a whole other topic. We could really <laughs> do that apart from localization. So I know what you mean with Nintendo. I'm certainly thinking back to like the SNES era and all the religious iconography from games like Earthbound that got removed. Yeah. Uh, the whole Binding of Isaac thing where they had issues mm-hmm. with that. Uh, there's certainly examples in Nintendo's history, but at the moment, Sony are probably the worst offender. So, but in, in terms of when FE came out, you're, you're, you're probably right. It's probably just a, a different level of scrutiny and a different mindset sort of thing. I can't think that it's a thing like with intelligence system games. Intelligence system is the one for Fire Emblem, right? Because like Atlas, I mean, have you seen the Demon Mora? That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> He's a hard demon to beat. <laughs> I haven't seen this, but I think I know exactly what you're talking about. So yeah, you don't have to explain it anymore. <laughs> all right, Google it. You're welcome. <laughs> but, you know, like in the two in the first one, like you have this, uh, these demons that are like, it's, um, I'm gonna say sexualized. Though Murray's more than that. I mean, you, you'd have to you try have... not. I'm more surprised more. when they're not sexualized characters in these games. Honestly, that's when I'm like, wow. <laughs> you also yeah. probably have to remember that that's a demon versus like an actual human child. Yeah. And that probably does make a difference. Does it? Anyway, but yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> I mean. I disagree. But anyways, so in Dungeon 3 in Match Sessions, there's actually these photographer obsessed with um, idol models. But like in the dungeon, you have like these um, pictures of like the models, but like in like what you would expect our models to wear like over here in the West. Mm-hmm. So you don't really get to why there's like this big outrage about this guy. Mm-hmm. There is a special kind of modeling in Japan. And that is what makes that guy like so disgusting, I think is like the mm. the word for it. Okay. But they pretty much like in the localization, like they pretty much like turn it way down to the point like they it didn't make sense anymore. Right. You're like, mm. Why so, is everyone so mad? They're just modeling. <laughs> like who cares? Pretty much. Also, like with this uh, aging up of the characters, um, 
uh, changing some scenarios in the game. They have to actually re-record uh, the Japanese lines to uh, make them match up to the um, English localization. Hmm. So uh, that is like very, very, it is a very like contradicting decision when they wanted to keep like the idol industry like more um, intact in the game. So yeah, that, that was kind of weird in my opinion. Also, uh, speaking of localizations of Atlas, Jimmy Dance's Strange Journey Redux. I haven't finished. It is a great game, a great game so far. But like in the 3DS version, I think it was like the one game that made so much sense to have like English voice acting because the setting is in like I guess like a multicultural or international like. Um, military camp sort of thing, so you have yes. characters from all over the world. I was like, why are they talking in Japanese? <laughs> it was like that one time that I wish they actually placed it in in English, but just like oh, uh... sorry that that made me think too. You you can finish your thought though. I'll jump in. Uh, I lost my thought. So go. Oh, sorry, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. Well, I was just saying it reminds me that like Phoenix Wright is set in Los Angeles in the English localization, right? And there's there's a like the the developers said like, well, you know, we imagine it as this sort of alternate history world where you know, like Chinatowns, there are little Japan towns in America, and so like Los Angeles has more Japanese stuff there. And I'm like, dude, you could have just said in Japan, and we'd have been fine. Like when I played that as a kid, I thought it was Japan. <laughs> I didn't know it was Los Angeles, <laughs> but they're like L.A., and I'm like, okay. That's weird. <laughs> Speaking of Ace Attorney, it's actually like the same thing I was going to say. Like, why Los Angeles? Why not just Japan? Like, it's literally like, I think they said something that they weren't like localizing the Dai Gakuten Saiban games, the mm -hmm. great, great Ace Attorney games, because of uh, they chopped themselves in the foot by placing the thing in Los Angeles. Which no one and realizes. Right? Like, Capcom's giving us way too much credit. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, the one thing I like about the Saturnia games is that, like, all the characters have, like, these funny names in Japanese. Mm -hmm. And they actually made funny names for them, like, in English. And that was amazing. Because yeah, isn't Phoenix's name Naruhodo, which means, like, correct or, like, clear? Like, I see. I see. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> And um, Edward's name is actually Mitsurugi Kenji. Mm. And those are like words for lawyer and prosecutor, I think. For like prosecuting lawyers. Uh, okay. I will say his Thank name you. in English is dope. Miles Edgeworth. I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and Phoenix Wright is a great name too. I mean, that's just an excellent name. <laughs> it's strong naming for sure. Yeah. There are moments where I raise my eyebrows, like when Maya's like, "Let's eat some burgers, Nick," and I'm like, "But noodles, noodles." It's true. I do <laughs> think I do think your obsession with burgers is pretty cute in the game because it's just like it's such a weird thing for her to love, and I'm like, "It's it's dope." <laughs> yeah. But now that you say noodles, I realize, of course, that's what she actually wants: is noodles. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> I think what we're probably getting at is it, it shows when teams go the extra mile with localization. 
even if you're like a layman who doesn't know localization from translation like um it's a, a you can tell it when you see it sort of thing well it's like in the yakuza games they don't really do this right like and, and it actually makes more sense because for instance they, they'll do jokes about like you know kiryu get called kiryu kun and he's like huh? by like someone who's like clearly his age or something and like or is like, that like an unassisted thing? Yeah, so Kun is like the, the right. young... It's like basically for someone below you, right? Um, and So it's like calling someone sport sort yeah, of thing, like to demean like, them. Like, hey, little yeah. guy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, who's like... You know what I mean? Be, I think it'd be more like that. Like, it, there's no real equivalent. And so, like, they just don't bother. And I, I figure it's because they're like, listen little english kid if you're playing the fucking yakuza games you probably know a couple things about this you know what i mean like they're like yeah the general public's not playing yakuza right like they're like the only ones who want to play like 80s tokyo are the people who know a little bit about japan so they're like you'll be fine right yeah to another uh uh a couple more examples that I have here. Um, I think I actually like. <laughs> Sorry, I think I actually like. <laughs> <laughs> sound, I think I you just really meerkatted. You like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't worry. We're gonna we're, we're gonna skip the the question this week, which is fine. So you you go to town. Okay. So the last couple of examples I actually wanted to bring up. One is Nor9 Parkomans. It's like mm-hmm. one of the Atome Visual novels that I've played. And I actually like said something in the lines of I, I was wondering if I should import the Japanese beta version to play it. Because the oh my god. The English version it, um I wouldn't call it bad. <laughs> But there are like these memes and like some Japanese expressions got replaced with memes. Oh no. Oh boy. Um, That's always a gamble. And the other thing is that there's like this one character, I think her name was Koharu? Yeah, Koharu. Like this, this is like the weird uh, game where you actually have like three protagonists and you can like choose what the protagonist and then you choose a route. Mm. And Kohadu suffered so much from the localization because she's supposed to be like naive, innocent. Mm. In the in the localization, I like her so much because they, they genuinely like make her seem so dumb. And if you're like in the head of a character, during like one third of a game, it gets on your nerves. But then, like I researched a little bit, it was like, yeah, it is that the localization uh, thing. Kohar is actually a likable character. Just the localization, it kind of kills her for most people. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, the other example, because it's like the one that. Most people actually notice it when playing is uh, from Code Realize, Guardian of Rebirth, and all the subsequent games. Because, like, uh, in Japanese, you have, like, um, some sounds kind of um, gives you the sense of, like, something is soft or something is, like, has hard edges and stuff like that. Not only that, but depending on how the person talks, you can actually 
know how they perceive themselves in Japanese, hmm. which doesn't usually translate to English very well. Yeah, it's like onomatopoeia, right? Like things that sound like the sound of something. That, but like, for example, there's this one character called uh, that is based on literary figures. Uh, one of them is Victor Frankenstein. Uh, but most people call him Fran in Japanese. And you hear the line Fran when they're like, you, you hear the day when you're, they are talking to him. The Fran like kind of sounds like, was it like fla fla? That is like soft, something soft. That is like the essence of the character. It's supposed to be like a soft character. But in the localization, they call him just Victor. It sounds like, I don't know, so impersonal. But the problem is, is that one of the characters calls him like Fran Chan in Japanese. But Vicky uh, or something like that in English. But there's another character that is called Victoria that uh, this character also calls Vicky and like, oh no, dude, why? <laughs> and they don't use that for like comic relief. They don't like tie that in in any way. That is just an oversight. Mm. Uh, that sounds like yeah, it, it is an oversight. And oh, yeah. so, so yeah, like other characters, like they they call them like. Or short names like Van Helsing, they they just call him like Van, and sometimes you you see the line says Abraham Van Helsing and the whole name. So I feel like in some cases when they translate the the game or they localize the game, they do these little oversights that keeps adding up and starts like messing a little bit for how the characters are supposed to be perceived or how. Uh, or how the general game just looks and sounds. Mm. I think I'm going to wrap us up there, if that's all right, because we have talked very long today. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to close away. So we're going to we're going to skip over the question of the week this week. Um, so you can all listen to that next week. But real quick now, we're going to play everyone's favorite game. And I've already got the game loaded up here. And it's Illusion of Gaia. Oh, this is a SNES game. Is that the SNES? Yeah, yeah. I'm aware of it. <laughs> I think I've got it downloaded. I've never like actually opened it. Yeah, this is a game that I think is on my list of like games that I, I'm meaning to play at some point, but mm. have not played, and I don't know when I will. Um... It is an RPG, right? It is an RPG. Is it like an ARPG though? I feel like it's a little bit like a Zelda-y type thing. I think so. I th- it's not. It's certainly not turn-based. No, I, I'm pretty sure it's more in the vein of the Secret of Mana games, um, or maybe more like in the <laughs> Zelda. Yeah, it's got that Zelda-y oh. vibe to it. Uh, this is uh, this is where my brain's at. When you said Secret of Mana, I'm typing my uh, time into the Discord, having sent you a load of pictures of the demon Mara, and my brain goes. <laughs> My brain goes, secret of Mara. I'm full on guessing this one here. Um, Dude. But I don't know. I'm ready. You guys ready? Yep. Um, in the process of being ready. I think I'm going too high, to be honest, on this. But the SNES is hard, right? Some of those games are really long. Um Mm. And then some of them are really, really short. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> Games. I am some of them are short, short, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 
Okay. Sorry, my mouse doesn't want to cooperate with me today. There. Ready, no, Paola? that's not a person. Get there. All right. And three, three two, 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 one. <laughs> Send it. All right. Um, let's see. Wow. Okay. There's some shenanigans going on from Paolo. The fix is in. Yeah. So <laughs> I've said main 18 hours, main plus 23, complete 26. Rick, you said main eight, which bold. I, and that's all I've gone for. Yeah. It's a complete shot in the dark. I think Paola's in the probably the right territory. She said 12 hours main, 18 hours main plus, and 100% is 23 hours. So let's find out. Let's see. Oh, well, I think Paula won. Um, Wait, let's see. No, hold on. So main story is 13 and a half hours. So you're in there. I'm still in there, actually. But then I'm out on the second one. Main plus is 14 hours. Um, And then completionist is 17 hours. You're off by an hour. That's the drama that makes this show so successful. So close, but so far. <laughs> How's the 79 rating? I maintain my five-point lead. Yes, you do. Rick is still at 20. I'm at 15. And Paula, you're still at 10. Thank you for tuning in through this week's episode. And we'll talk next week. That's it. Yeah. Bye-bye. Stay safe till then. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.